Welcome to Recommissioned, a Battlestar Galactica podcast by LSG Media. Hi, I'm Dean, and I've seen every episode of BSG. Hi, I'm Matthew, and I haven't seen any episode of BSG. On this week's episode, we bring you Season 1, Episode 6, titled Litmus. Were you doing paperwork at the time of the bombing? No. Chief, were you working on a Viper at the time of the bombing? No. Chief, were you watching a pickup game of Pyramid in the mess hall at the time of the bombing? No, as I told you earlier today, I was asleep in my rack. Then why do I have three different statements from three of your deckhands stating variously that they all saw you and you were anywhere but in your rack? Chief Tyrrell, where were you at the time of the bombing? Were you, in fact, meeting with a Cylon agent? I exercise my right under Article 23. Well, 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 we are back again, this time for the sixth episode of the first season. Litmus, how you doing today, Matthew? Very good. Super, oh, so jazzed to talk about this one. Jazzed to talk about it. All right. Well, I'm glad to have you back. Of course, I'm Dean. That's Matthew. And we're covering Battlestar Galactica Reimagined. If you didn't pick up on that from our introduction, that is what we're doing. I tell you what, man, I've been thinking about covering this episode a lot. And uh, I got to tell you, I'm excited, man. I'm excited to get back at it. Matthew and I had gotten a little bit busy here. We did some schedule rearranging on the Science Fiction Film Podcast, and we had to push this out a couple of weeks, but now we're back. We're hoping to get a couple recorded. Not that it matters, because by the time people hear this, everything's going to be done anyway. Oh, yeah. But, uh, dude, litmus, man. I talked to I'd been jonesing. I'd been jonesing. It had been a couple of weeks, like you were saying, since we've actually gotten to watch an episode, and I, I don't watch ahead it's not like i'm like oh i'll watch our next episode you know seven days before we actually record and i like to watch it day of a lot of times right before we record so right it's super fresh and uh yeah i was getting i was getting sweaty getting jittery waiting to get to this episode and man did it not disappoint this is up there with my favorites already so far awesome you know, it's given it's given 33 a run for its money it's a damn good episode that's great man i'm glad to hear it well we're uh we're just under halfway like we're about halfway through I guess there's 15 total episodes here. So we got, to, I mean, that I think, I believe that includes the, um, I guess 13, because you got to figure the miniseries. But yeah, I mean, we're about halfway through. And uh, we definitely took a, this episode's funny because it starts off, it's a, it's a save the thrills in the, in the frills episode. One of those that they <laughs> use traditionally in a lot of these science fiction shows. Uh, they use these to, bank some budget money <laughs> there you go yeah. a bottle episode oh. let's keep let's yep. let's keep the vipers from flying around and shooting stuff let's make it a courtroom drama for once there you go yeah you know i gotta tell you um i'm looking forward to hearing your initial impressions and um i'm, I'm gonna go ahead and turn this right over to you now and then i'll share you some of mine based on what i remember and if you weren't paying attention to the introduction if this is your first time stopping by just remember Matthew has only seen the episode in question. He doesn't know anything about Battlestar Galactica other than the episodes leading up to this one. And I've seen the entire series, so it definitely promotes a different kind of conversation. And uh, Matthew, let her rip. Yes, yes. Oh, baby. All right. Well, like I was saying, really, really enjoyed this episode. It was very tight, 
very tightly written and constructed episode. Uh, like I was saying, I really enjoyed the kind of courtroom drama of this. Like I, I, I'm, what I'm enjoying a lot about Battlestar so far is how it can, you know, shift gears pretty deftly. Like this show, right, right. it doesn't run. It, it doesn't just have a procedural. You know, there is no Battlestar procedural format. This happens, and then this happens, and then Adama has his monologue and roll credit. You know, it's not you know, just a blank slate like that. Like they are always kind of, you know, every episode is totally its own and it's been reinventing the way they move along. And, you know, this was definitely, like, I, I totally agree with you. This is like a, a bottle episode that, you know, let's keep our characters all within rooms, no ship, you know, space battles. Let's make it a, you know, a character drama purely. And it's all through dialogue, but damn, was it good dialogue we finally got to see our master of arms that's something i was looking forward to finally getting a look at that character wondering if we're going to see much more of her in the future but uh no this was a this was a standout episode for me and again if anybody's been listening to you know this show so far they know they know the thing that intrigues me is the cylon lore and this was a great episode for getting a good solid glimpse at the cylons and another taste for their plan and the way they operate that shit i love yeah, this is, um, you know, Litmus being, despite being a cost saver um, or a filler episode, as they are sometimes known, this definitely does things to the main storyline that's important. And that's what I like about it. There's, you know, there's a lot going on here. There is a lot that is interesting, a lot that continues to push storylines forward, despite the fact that it's a quote unquote filler episode. And I think that's what's most intriguing about it is that fact right there. Um there's a lot of interesting things to talk about. A lot of relationships are explored. This is one of those episodes where things happen. And I think oftentimes television, when they do filler episodes, not much happens. Yeah. Um, it's, it, they kind of dilly-dally and they try they to save ruminate. Yeah. yeah, they ruminate. In this case, they don't just ruminate. There is a lot of things that happen and it pushes the story forward for some of the characters or at least it gets us more information on the characters. This was always a standout episode to me, and I'm a real sucker for these kinds of episodes where you have this official inquiry into the actions of the crew and how the official inquiry starts to get out of hand. This is something we've seen in Star Trek Next Generation where you have these proceedings, and uh, that's one of the things I've always loved about Next Gen are these courtroom moments and uh, what yeah. it means and the implications of the questioning and the relationships between everybody and who's telling the truth and who isn't. And this is one of those cases where for the most part, unlike a lot of those other episodes where they do this, where, they're, where the, the point of the tribunal is to get to the bottom of some kind of mystery, in this, the audience knows the mystery already. We already yeah. know what's going on. And in that, I really appreciate the dual layer of this episode. I always think it's intriguing writing when you can take some kind of secret that is being held, in this case, Chief Tyrrell's relationship with Boomer. And that's the secret that causes the suspicion for a larger conspiracy. I like that. So you know they're trying to keep that secret, but that secret is implicating them in something greater. Yes, And I think this is so masterfully written that even though the secret seems fairly innocuous when you're decommissioning the ship and people are going their separate ways, it starts to have major implications, especially when the audience knows that Boomer is a Cylon. Oh, yeah. Even though she's not responsible for the explosion, 
But there is some doubt. When I say there's no mystery, that's not 100% true. There is some doubt as to why the causeway was left open. So how did Doro get access through the causeway? Was it negligence or did Sharon deliberately leave it open? And that's something we never quite answer. And that's another thing that I like about this episode. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, the the way that the tension is raised and maintained throughout by us, you know, it's just that, that, uh, you know, ironic suspense of we, the audience, know exactly what's going on and we're watching a new threat uh, that that we're aware of that, you know, our characters are, are barely understanding what's really going on. Right. Absolutely. Beautiful. Well done. Yeah. So um, now what we're going to do is we are going to get to our explication of the episode in just a moment. The typical pattern, if you're new, is, is that we start with some initial impressions. We then get to um, a couple of our trivia questions that were asked last last mm. week. <laughs> and then we make our way through it. Then we get to some trivia questions that will tease the next episode. And then we wrap with some final thoughts. So just as a reminder or as a explanation, I ask Matthew at the end of each episode, some teaser questions about the next episode where I tease possible things that might have him and I have him guess them. Sometimes it's multiple choice. Sometimes it's what is this dialogue and who says it. Sometimes it's true and false. Last time I put a little bit of a wrinkle in there because I wasn't sure what to ask him. And I think the question was, I gave you four lines of dialogue and the question was simple. All these lines are spoken by one character, yes or no. And then if Mm -hmm. not, you tell me what character via multiple choice it was that you think it is. So here were the questions. Well, here are the pieces of dialogue. Question one was, you people are the sorriest of the sorry, the dumbest of the dumb. The only thing you're making out of this is a trip to the sickbay or the morgue. I said, who said this, Chief Ty or Gaius? Matthew said, Ty. Of course, we know that the answer is Chief. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because I fucked up from the outset. Chief said it all, didn't he? He did. (sighs) Chief said every line. You you explain to my kids why they're not going to college now. (laughs) I want you to look them in the eye and say, this is why daddy bet it all. And he bet wrong. (laughs) You bet wrong. I could have been somebody. So could have been a contender. Yeah, the lines of dialogue are as follows. I exercised my right under Article 23. You guessed chief on that. You were correct. The next one was, I think that he is doing this out of a sense of misplaced loyalty to me. You guessed Gaius. Now, let me ask you, what was your thought process on that? That may be Gata. They were talking about Gata. <laughs> I, yes. But initially, okay. that was where I went. I was like, maybe it's Gaida all caught up in their project together. Uh, upon re-listening to that episode and listening to my predictions, because I always go back and listen to the questions you asked me and the predictions to get sure. it all laid out before I watch the episode and remind myself, I was going, what the fuck was I thinking? Who's loyal <laughs> to Gaius? He's a pariah. They all think he's insane. What was I thinking? There Dumb answer. That's all right. Lastly, I put everything on the line for you. You guessed chief on this. So in your defense, you had two of the questions right, but the overall question was simple. Did, did, did he say all these lines, yes or no? You said no, and you thought that, for the record, that Gaius was talking about loyalty and that Ty was calling people dumb. Both tough questions, man. I could see that going yeah. either way. And, uh, yeah, that was the questions. And, uh, you, you know, <laughs> I'm going to give you some credit there because you guessed two of the right ones were, were chief, but you, you didn't have the conviction to say that he spoke all of those lines. Now you're going to also question my character, huh, Dean? It wasn't enough that I lost all the fucking questions. (laughs) That's right. Now I am assassinating your character. All right. Well, 
I got some more questions for you at the end of this episode to tease the next episode, which is titled Deem Myself. Six Degrees Daddy of Separation. Daddy needs a new pair of shoes. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> which is titled Six Degrees of Separation. So there's your, to- your teaser. Hopefully you don't know. You haven't read any synopsis or any teasers on that, have you? Absolutely not. Right, Still militantly maintaining radio silence. You have to be to learn about the show. You have to be so careful on Hulu because you got to like flick quick. Because yeah. if you don't, you're going to see spoilers, and you just got to be careful. I, they should set the menus up like to be spoiler proof. Like click yeah. here for season one episodes, click here for season two, instead of showing them all because you're going to see somebody <laughs> who's alive. You know, you should write them a scathing review. <laughs> I might. I might. What the <laughs> fuck am I paying for? Spoilers. One star. <laughs> For a decade-old TV show? Um, <laughs> all right. Well, we're going to get to that, like I said, at the end. Right now, I think we're going to make our way through this episode. And this one opens with a really great opening sequence. It, we, yes. we get some cutting back and forth, and uh, it goes sort of like this. We open on a tracking shot through Galactica's hallways. We're following someone, and we're on their back. We cut to Callie helping Chief sneak off to poke Boomer. Chief and Boomer embrace in a hug. Boomer says she went through the hatch, combing on Causeway C. We cut back on, on our fellow, uh, on our follow cam, um, tracking an individual who seems suspicious. It's only briefly. We cut back to postcoitus chief and Boomer. He's getting all poetic <laughs> and romantic. And then we go back to the menacing follow cam, tracking a visitor um, through the hallway. And then we spot Colonel Ty, who's immediately suspicious, phone security, oh, yeah. and tells them to approach from the aft. Adama's also there and is compelled to charge the man. And he shouts, Doral! And then, of course, mm-hmm. Doral turns, has that fuck you smirk, opens his jacket, has a suicide vest. And then, of course, Ty tackles Adama into the safety behind one of the bulkheads. And kaboom, an explosion goes off. That's our opening credits. Talk to me about this sequence. Oh, man. It's a hell of a beginning. What a great start. And I was, I was blown away, hooked from the, gump, from the jump. And answered a big question, really, of... You know, what do the Cylons do with their supposedly, and this is one thing I want to get into in this episode, uh, supposedly limit of 12 Cylon models. You know, we still, that note that was handed Adama is something very small, but with major importance. And we don't know who gave it to him, and we don't really know the validity of it. It could be, if it was given to him by a Cylon agent, if it was smuggled in there, then it could be a total lie. Maybe they have an infinite number of copies. Maybe they can copy anyone. Who knows? Or it could be some shred of truth. But if we're going to go off that and make the assumption that, yes, there's only 12 Cylon models, you know, you think, well, Doral can never be involved again. They already know what he looks like. How would they ever use him? But it makes, you know, the answers right there in front of your face. Not that many people have seen him. He can still wander through a crowd with most people not thinking, you know, not batting an eye. And so they can still use them in this kind of saboteur way, which hadn't crossed my mind. I knew, I knew immediately when we started following him, I was like, that's fucking Doral. Yeah, you that's the PR guy. That's right. and, and I was thinking, that's crazy how he's just walking through. And I'm like, well, yeah, of course. He still just looks like a person. And if, it, if you weren't someone who personally knew him before he was exposed, then you'd have no idea. And so that has opened a whole other Pandora's box of a threat. And that, that alone was – that question being answered is a hell of a start. And the fact that we see him suicide bomb himself, uh, almost getting Adama and Ty, that's a hell of a start. And a question that needed to be answered by the people being interrogated by the tribunal, if you think yes. about it. Because the reason this man was able to pass around was because they did keep a lid on it. Now – 
I'm not saying that the three dead and the 13 injured, which we're going to learn about in the uh, past, uh, in the scenes after the opening credits, I'm not saying that that is better or worse than had they started panic and created a witch hunt and people blaming people and suspicion and panic ripping through the fleet. I don't know, just like Adama says, don't know. I'm not sure. I made the decision I made. You know, it's tough to say if he made the right or wrong decision here because Doral did, in fact, slip through, had his picture circulated, had his photograph uh, mm-hmm. circulated through the fleet. It's possible he would have been spotted, but because only a couple of Marines and the senior crew knew, it really puts you at a disadvantage when, you're, when you have uh, Marine sentries posted who are looking for suspicious activity. It does put you exactly. at a disadvantage because of your decision to withhold that env- that evidence. And, you know, the nice thing about this episode is, is that as we progress through it, we start to say to ourselves, well, we we love Adama. We we don't want Adama to be tried. We don't want to see this Hadrian bitch putting all of our crewmen <laughs> through the ringer, putting the screws yeah. to him for relatively innocuous behavior, especially the deck crew and the chief. I mean, he's yeah. being... He's being inquested by a civilian tribunal that's being run by a sergeant of arms or master at arms. She's called both. Yeah. Who has quote wide latitude end quote to get to the bottom of this. And at the end of the day, he's only poking a senior officer. I mean, it's considering there's 50,000 people left in the world and you're being hunted to extinction. It's a small potato problem. But like I said, the beauty of the writing here is the layering of which a secret causes suspicion for a larger crime. And that's what's so great about it. And uh, you could say that we don't like to see these guys go through this. But at the end of the day, Hadrian has a few good points here. And one of them is, was keeping the secret the right or wrong thing. Now, it's easy to be an armchair quarterback, right? An armchair commander and say, well, it's easy to say that now, seeing the circumstances, but what if we did it the other way and 10 people were killed, right? It's tough to there say. You, you don't really know. It's tough to have this revisionist history thing going on. Yeah. And one thing this episode gets, you know, a big part of its conclusion, you know, is one of my most, <laughs> if I had to pick a human impulse the, uh, that I hate more than any, in the running, in the running for that would certainly be the impulse to blame right. someone. <laughs> right. Something bad right. happens, right. so someone must be put on the altar and sacrificed of the altar of, you know, that accident, that problem. Whereas, you know, I still think in, yeah. in a, that this is essentially a, a no-win situation that nobody could have predicted and there's no 100% failsafe to prevent right. stuff like this from happening. And so I hate the, well, someone's got to pay. Someone fucked up. Oh, yeah, that, that, it's a good moral problem to get into the thick of in this kind of environment. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And, uh, and that's something that Rosalind talks about later, which we'll get to. So we hard cut to what's going on after the fact, and that's a screaming burnt man in the entrance, of course, of Hadrian. But before we get to her, we have the sick bay. We see Doc Cottle. I love that we get a quick look in on Kara Thrace, who's still in the sick bay. She yeah. looks on at the carnage, feeling helpless, which is new for her. We have yeah. Ty and Adama briefly speaking with Cottle. And uh, this is when Adama, in, in, in a very high emotional state, says, give me the master at arms. And then we cut to Adama's quarters with Ty and Adama speaking to her. Right? Indeed. And they finally let her in on their knowledge of Cylons look like humans. Because we have to always remember that this is a very closely guarded secret and the wide majority of people don't know. Right. They appear human 
Flesh and blood, the whole thing. The bomber was another copy of a man we knew as Doro. Mm. Boom. There are multiple versions of the same Cylon. He then tasks her with starting an investigation. And she's the one, it's important to note, that goes, well, if we're going to do an investigation, I have to ask that it be, an, I need a free hand, I need it to be an independent tribunal. I don't mind her question, I don't mind I, her requesting that, because as a sergeant, you're going to be outranked by a lot of people. Yeah, and we see that come up with her initial, you know, confrontation or, you know, meeting of chief and asking him to come along you know the lieutenants are stepping up and saying what are you talking about sergeant what are you asking that for right so and and it does make sense where you know in in investigating something so large you have no idea how many people are involved what level of people are involved you can't just have the commander saying oh well you can't talk to that person sorry that i have the authority to say no you can't interview this person you can't do this you know you've got to have that latitude and i think adama is wise enough to understand that too and he accepts it Mm -hmm. but it is a tough ask and the fact that she asks it right up front does have a slightly (laughs) joe mccarthy taste to it (laughs) yeah it feels a little dirty no no doubt about it slightly feels but i get it dirty a little bit sexy, dirty, but <laughs> now remember in this scene that she is the one who decides that she is going. She tells Adama, "Listen, maybe we should make this public so people can be on the lookout." Now it's funny that that's her first request. So you know she's probably as the master at arms, as somebody who is responsible for the internal security of the ship. That's yeah. what that's what a ma- that's what the master of arms does. They're responsible for the internal security of the ship. She is the ranking Marine on the fucking ship. So all these yeah. Marines roll up to her and she doesn't know. I mean, that's kind of a bummer, right? Yeah. yeah. If she wasn't so fucking annoying, she probably would have got <laughs> further than she did. But anyway, she asks for it to be made public so she can get some help. Adama says he'll take it under advisement. Obviously, he's not sure if he wants to make this a goddamn witch hunt. Can you blame him? Exactly. And I like that he doesn't dismiss it one way or the other. All right. He just says, all right, look. Essentially, like you said, I'll think about it. Right. Ty's also not crazy about it. There's a can of worms. And Adama <laughs> thinks that shining a light could help. And he thanks Ty for saving his life. And then we get that little uh, military snare roll. Ty salutes him because mm-hmm. he's a badass. And that's why I'm going to go get ripped. Yeah. I'm going to go drink four fingers of ale. Or not ale. <laughs> fucking whatever he's drinking. Space liquor. <laughs> Space <laughs> you scotch. beat me to it. Space whiskey. Yep. God, I love that 12-year space. <laughs> it's the best. <laughs> so now we got to talk about this quick moonshine scene. <laughs> you know, one thing I really liked about this you know, after viewing, it's such a cute, winky, innocuous scene at first, but damn good writing yes. that it plays heavily into the tone of the rest of the story and you know the emotions of the characters right it seems like just a a scene of levity of like oh let's have a cute chief shows that he's a man of his people and he's a good guy and you can have some booze wink wink but no it it actually really does play into things and means a lot more it does mean a lot more it it shows that he has this kind of relationship with these people and that because of that relationship they're going to be loyal to him that's what this is telling us that he has a relationship with his deck crew that transcends the uh, subordinate superior relationship and gets personal right down into this loyalty. The things yeah. that make Chief a good leader are also the things that compromise his leadership a little bit. True, because you know he they will unquestioningly follow him regardless of what that means for official purposes or following right. you know rules of conduct. Right. And this uh, just to remind you, the deckhand. They're Callie, Sosinus, and Jammer. 
So Sinus. So That's Sinus. That's a weird name. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, we're just highlighting his relationship with the deckhands, but like you said, it might come off as an innocuous scene, but it is not. It's important. No. And it also does, and it's small, but it does show a willingness on, you know, we understand that these lower-ranking deckhands, they're willing to lie for him out of this, you know, this right. especially heightened sense of loyalty. But it does show that he's willing to lie for them, to break, a, you know, a, a small rule of conduct. Yeah, I'm sure it's not part of the rule book to uh, brew your own liquor back there, but he's going to let it happen. He's, you know, let it get by, and he's going to even help him a little bit. That's right. Colonel Ty is one of, Colonel Ty, uh, uh, Chief Tyrrell is one of those guys who the rules are really secondary to the relationships and the loyalty. Yeah, He absolutely. doesn't try to sell his kid down the river for breaking the rules. He tries to get his kid freed at the end of this by saying he was covering for me and he should have been damn the rules. This isn't right, he says. So yeah. it's obviously that the chief runs more with his moral heart than he does with his duty-bound heart. He's not a... He's not a Jean-Luc Picard, this guy. He is a, the rules are secondary to the relationships always. Yeah, absolutely. We then move over to Cylon-occupied Caprica. We're about 17 days in. Should we at this point, Matthew, just run through the Caprica? I was going to suggest the same. I think that's going to become a pattern for us because the Caprica stories are so condensed. Interspersed, yeah. Yeah, they intersperse them throughout the episode, but if you collected it all together, it might be three and a half, four (laughs) minutes worth. You know, it's not a lot. It's not a lot. It's interesting as hell, but tight. Yeah, yeah. You mentioned uh, some of the uh, info on the Cylons. I'm curious as to what you're thinking here. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So let's hop to it, motherfucker. So Hilo is being observed by Boomer, Six, and Doral. They comment on Hilo's attractiveness. Six thinks everyone's <laughs> handsome, apparently, which means we got a chance. Oh, <laughs> nice. She is hungry for it. That's all I can say. She's so hot. Um, they know oh. Hilo has two choices on what to do. He can go north, which means he can go looking for the thought-captured Boomer, or he can travel south, which means he's going to retreat and try to get off-world. So that's the mm-hmm. questions posed as the three of them stand up there like some sort of Greek gods deciding his fate. Or with the way that the like helicopter shots pan around them, they look like they're about to break into like a, I don't know, a Backstreet Boys video shoot. <laughs> they're all lined up. I like it. Now, this is something I've been really curious to hear you talk about because I mm-hmm. know that this is something that I know you've been, I know this is something you've been talking about. You know, I know mm-hmm. you've been, we've talked about, you think Boomer's in on it, do you not? You always said you thought that this Boomer was fully aware Oh, yeah. Obviously, when you see her on the roof, what goes through your head? Bazinga! I got right. it. <laughs> but yeah, right. this one, that this particular you know iteration of Boomer, totally aware, absolutely involved in the conspiracy. Right, right. When she is portraying you know romantic feelings for Hilo, or when she is acting hurt or scared, she's acting. She's literally acting. You know, they're acting. even complimenting acting Shakespeare walking the boards as a thespian but um <laughs> but yeah no and they're even commenting on her acting they're like oh well you you must have made an impression on him it was very believable you know they're like giving her you know <laughs> like notes on her right. portrayal of Sharon and it's interesting that they're saying He's dead if he goes the wrong way. He's a dead man if he goes the wrong way. Well, they I think they're not even just that. They flat out say, we'll kill him. You know, Doral yeah. says, oh, yeah. I'm going to murder him if he goes the wrong way, which to me says, wow, that's not part of the plan. Right. The plan is that he needs to go after Sharon. He, We need to keep him in touch with Caprica Boomer. Uh, right. And if that if he's not going to do that, then he's of no use to us. Absolutely. He's of, of no use to our plan. Yep. That's a great point, man. 
Yeah. And the other side of this too, the other, you know, kind of thing I've gleaned from this is that I really do think that the boomer that is on board the Galactica, they base, you know, that it adds even more to the fact that she is truly unaware that she's a Cylon. Right. That right. she is totally, uh, you know, believes she's a human because I think they are basing their performance and all of the rest of the things uh, that the Caprica boomer does on that boomer, you know, yes. her personality traits, the way she interacts with people, you know, there's a part later on, you know, where six, <laughs> six and Doral just fucking, you know, blood, blood her into the crypts <laughs> when they stomp her in there. Um, oh, it's so good. Beat the shit out of her. You know, right. she says, yeah, she goes, is this enough? After she's hit her a couple of times, she goes, nope, Sharon wouldn't have given up that easily. Right. So they have this idea of what the real, Sharon, the uh, Sharon Boomer that is aboard the Galactica would do, and that's what they're basing everything off of. Yeah, that, my, I was wondering how you felt about that, what you thought was going on there, because that that, that that's what this boils down to. It boils down to which way is he going to go? He decides to go the way they want him to go, and then they say, okay, I guess he's decided, and that's when Boomer makes a line about he is a good man, he always does the right thing, right? She's, yeah. she's basically commenting on Hilo as a moral individual yes absolutely again the weird almost religious like obsession among the fucking robots about human morality it's it's mind-boggling <laughs> right and it's and it's shortly after here where she just beats the fucking brakes off a of boomer <laughs> god it's like she snitched on the mob to the fbi i mean right. six just kneels her down and works on her face it's beautiful i love the uh, i love the shoulders here such nice shoulders on six. She's in, that's always a sign of if you're in good shape or not, especially oh, for women. Man. Like if you got <laughs> ripped shoulders, you're you're a beast. So that POV shot uh, of uh, six just wailing on uh, on Boomer. <laughs> that's your POV porn, right? That's oh, what yeah, you're into. Dude. No, oh, no, God, question about, me, six. no question about it. No question about it, dude. <laughs> choke me harder, mommy. <laughs> <laughs> you're in a weird shit, dude. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Don't 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 tell anybody. Proud of it. <laughs> So Hilo runs around, manages to find, quote-unquote, find Boomer being dragged by a Centurion. He tactically approaches, but isn't watching his six, gets snuck up on, disarmed, manages to get his gun back, and blows it away. What did you think of this scene? I liked it. And also, I, I think um, I think the Centurion models of Cylons are just seen as absolutely disposable Bic lighters. Like, they they set them up and use them to be shot and blown apart as part of their ploys constantly. Ah. I think I think they are almost... If there's a class separation in the Cylon civilization, Centurions are, are just dumb, dirt robots that we use the same way that humans used robots. And the new class of human-like Cylons are the, you know, the, the thought leaders. It's funny that the robots have a they, they have a hierarchy as well right that's it really seems cool like it. <laughs> i love yeah, it yeah right it. it's great <laughs> but boy yeah boomer's face here is absolutely swollen up just got out of the fucking octagon right uh, and hilo spirits her away yep i love the look that we get of her looking at the camera while he looks away her creepy face and she says i think we should go Ooh, she yeah. just looks so suspicious to me there. Like that's, oh, big oh man, she's such a creep. <laughs> and such a, I mean, again, Stop we talk a, a lot about lady. it. <laughs> 
we talked a lot about it during the water episode, you know, which we, we you know, we're very much mentioning as Grace Park's episode. Right. You know, she's so much a focus of that. And, you know, her range is really displayed, especially here. I still think that every time when when she is portraying the Caprica Boomer and the, you know, very authentic, you know, Boomer aboard uh, the Galactica, what a range to pull off. You know, God, you're playing so, so many people doing opposite things and you're all, but you're still the same person portraying it all. It's fascinating. Yeah, it's pretty cool. The so you must be racking your head against the wall, thinking, "What the <laughs> fuck are these people doing?" Like what the Cylons? Yeah, what is the plan yeah. here? Yes, right? oh, I still, as far as their long game of like, <laughs> where are they trying to nudge Hilo toward? Right, what are they doing? It, it's baffling. It still is just like sure, what a mystery. Crazy, crazy stuff, man. So that's the last. Do you have any speculation? Of- do you do you have any? I, what, what do you what do you suppose? You know, one of the things Boomer is told is by six is I hope you're more convincing with him, right? Because at first she's like he's attractive, but she's not like six. Where six yeah. is like, oh, he's so handsome. Oh, I jump him. <laughs> Boomer is like, sure, but for sure, calm down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's doable, calm. But then she's like, I hope you're more convincing. It's funny that they're that they're discussing it like this. You know, it's just funny that this is what the fuck is going on. Yeah. It's like, they're still so concerned about their, their manipulation being seen as believable. Like, right. It's, you know, they have the upper hand. It's so easy to assess that they have, you know, at this point in the, in the conflict, the Cylons are winning by all, by all measurable terms. Right. I mean, they've boiled the human race down to 50,000 people. They've got them totally, you know, up on the ropes, but yet they're still so concerned with having a, an intricate, complicated right. ploy of tricking human beings into feeling loved and we have to guide them along carefully, sacrifice our own centurions to do it. It's so bizarre. It, it's so – you know, the, the thing – and I think I've mentioned this before as well. I really like that the Cylons are – believably inscrutable as an alien or robot <laughs> race should be like, like why should they have like exactly very you know parallel you know human like desires and wants and motivations they don't have our desires you know they're not human so it makes sense that their plan should seem baffling to us and be like what the fuck are they getting at what are they trying to do so i mean to be honest i really couldn't put forth a cogent analysis or, or prediction of where I think their plan is going. I'm still, I'm just like, man, I'm, I'm you, lost. So you don't think they experience emotion like humans do? Is that what you're saying? I think they experience something akin to it, but not, not one-to-one like we do. Um, and also that being said, you know, I'm, I know I'm jumping back into the galactical part of the episode, but um, I think, I think six is telling the truth when she says, so the Cylons don't know about you and me. Right. They don't know about me talking in your head. I don't think that's part of the overall ploy in the Cylon plot. I think she really means it. I think there are right. other Cylons who'd maybe even be upset with her if they realized she had this ongoing presence with Gaius and was mm. talking to him. Like, I don't think they want her to be doing that. I think she's she's telling the truth, which again, adds another kink to the fucking thing. Yeah, I just that's don't good, understand that's good why. discussion right there. I like that. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's getting it's hot up in here. So they take off. There's not much more here, right? They just split. They yeah, they limp they, away together. There we are. And uh, six and don't six and Doral have some parting words like, "Oh, she's good" or something. I yeah, I think yeah. Another another note on her acting. Right. <laughs> so back on the Galactica, Dama speaks with Roslyn about enlisting the public's help. Roslyn cautions this. She knows people yeah. will demand answers. Someone screwed up. Roslyn says. 
And openness sounds great, but trust me, I've been in this this game a long time in politics. I do not want a witch hunt on her hands. So her experience in this type of in these types of public proceedings, obviously, she has way more experience with this than Adama does. It's not oh, yeah. even close. For sure. It's I love not you know, that's, even close. That's a, a great subtext there to all of you know Adama and Rosalind's conversations is that they are each used to being leaders of people and of a right. high position and having to wield a lot of heavy decisions. Um, but like you're saying, you know, the public facing level of things is so unaccustomed for Adama. You know, he's very used to, I fucking tell somebody what to do and they do it. And that's that. And if I don't want other people to know about it, they don't. And that's not questioned. I'm not being harangued by reporters and being like, Oh, what did you tell him? Why'd you do it? Blah, blah, blah. And, and I, you know, that's what Rosalind is having to make him aware of, of like, Hey, look, this is, you are now not just a military leader. You are very much a part of you know, the everyday decisions of government and people are going to be asking you questions, questions you're not used to getting. And additionally, that's, they don't operate under public scrutiny, the military. Exactly. Yeah. Right. He doesn't, he, not only is he obeyed unquestioningly by his crew, but he does not have a public inquiry working his ass all the time. Now, yeah, no, he doesn't have a press secretary to go out and right. <laughs> answer TMZ shitheads. Absolutely. And now he's in a position where the, uh, what am I trying to say? The civilian fleet and the military portion of the fleet, they're so intertwined that it becomes a, how do we break this message to two groups simultaneously? They're going to want answers. People are going to get restless just sitting on ships forever. They're going to need to know what's going on. We're going to need to keep them in the loop. And I think it's interesting that Adama thinks that they should do this because he's thinking, okay, now we got all these eyes looking at these suspected Cylons. It's yeah. funny that he's thinking of it. You would almost think opposite. You'd almost think that based on what we know with these characters so far, and this is another nice wrinkle, that you would almost yes. anticipate Rosalind would say, we should need to alert the public. We need to be honest with people. And Adam's like, no, 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 tight military, but you have an opposite thing here. And that just yeah. shows in the lack of experience that Adama has in the expertise that Rosalind has when it comes to how people react to these types of things, especially people who are already highly stressed, already watching yeah. their numbers dwindle, and already concerned about their life going forward. There's already it, rumors circulating on the fleet. Now you're going to oh, confirm yeah. them, and you're going to start a witch hunt, and that's your concern. And we see that play out as the episode progresses. And you know, and that's something where I, I think when she's bringing that up to him— it's not that he hasn't had that thought. We've heard them say that, especially right. Ty being like, we bring the, we make this public, we have a witch on our hands. People get paranoid and accusations are going to start flying. Yes. So he's aware of that threat. The one thing I think that Rosalind is good at pointing out to him, you know, really, you know, she understands that he is the, he, that he is military and he's used to the way military does things. So she's bringing up a specifically military threat to him of saying, Hey, look, I know you are very tight with your people and you're the, you know, wanting to hold them accountable, but yet, you know, do what's best for them as well. But she's like, if this comes up to the public, the public is going to, you know, be chanting for an execution. You know, they're right. going to want one of your people to blame. And I don't think you're ready to see your own leadership and the actions of your people questioned like this. Yeah, the people will demand that the person responsible is punished. Exactly. Which is funny because people are so punitive, right? <laughs> oh, God, yes. <laughs> so we move over to the deck and we have Hadrian beginning her interrogation of the deckhands. 
And this uh, is great, but boy, they all give you poor oh. information, don't they? Whew, this is why, hey, people, when you murder somebody, everybody's got to have the same story. You're all at the same place at the same time. We're all at the 7-Eleven getting squishies together, people. Right. You gotta be on the same point. But um, So she goes know, for four. She goes for four testimonies here. Callie, mm-hmm. Jammer, Sosinus, and of course, the chief. Yes, yes. And now, it, one thing I'm slightly confused by, and I want to see if you can clarify this sure. for me. I think, you know, I had trouble realizing, you know, times here. Are they lying to protect uh, the chief from, you know, exposing the chief's relationship with Boomer? Or are they lying to protect the fact that they were brewing illegal alcohol? I and believe they're they lying together. for the chief here. Because yeah. all of the questions from Hadrian are regarding the chief. And she must know, and, and I think the deckhands are, are savvy enough to know that if Hadrian has an inquiry going, that most yeah. likely it's not about their their conduct their that is not legal as deckhands, meaning fucking around with moonshine. I, they, <laughs> she, they must know that because the questions go as follows. So, well, here are the answers. So Callie tells Hadrian that she was in Iraq reading some trashy novel. She says that she saw the chief doing paperwork. She then says she knows this because she saw him before she turned in. Then Jammer says that he was with Callie. So that already, that's already a conflict. Already fucked. Already oh, a conflict. Yeah. Playing pickup pyramid in the mess hall. Jammer then says he saw the chief because the chief dropped in to observe at some point. Okay. So it's possible that the chief might have been doing paperwork. Maybe he stopped by. So the chief still isn't pinned down. But we already know that yeah. Callie and Jammer are not telling the same story, so one of them is lying, or both. Mm-hmm. Then we move over to Sosinus. And Sosinus says that he was on watch. He didn't see the chief, but he would have because Callie says he was doing paperwork. So that doesn't make sense. So now we've got another person not telling the truth. <laughs> then he Watching? says he was. Okay. Oh, oh, wait, no. He says, oh, no, wait, no. Yeah, he came in. I did see him. I did see him. He came in to work on a viper. And then the chief is told, is told, and then the chief reveals, oh, I was asleep in my rack. I was asleep, sergeant. He's losing his patience with her because he, of oh, course, yeah. is the highest ranking non-com. <laughs> he outranks her by about a billion. <laughs> yeah. Watching this scene where she's going from person to person questioning them, it's love. It's so painful. It's like watching it's a brutal. Jenga tower fall over. You're like, oh, here it comes. Like, this is, you guys are fucking up and you don't even know it. But to her, to uh, Hadrian's credit, would make a damn good homicide investigator on uh, Law and Order. I mean, she has a straight face when she's like, did you see Chief? Where were you? Thanks. Right. Like that. She doesn't play her hand out of being like, well, wait a minute. You know, she's very just, she handles it completely stone faced, gets the full story from each of them. She's doing Boy, great she's, in the beginning. Oh, yeah. Then she kind of goes off the fucking rails. <laughs> she, but, yeah, uh, she, she gets that McCarthy power. It yeah. goes a little wacky. Yes, absolutely. So then we move over to the Colonial One, and Roslyn is forced to address the press, of course, because they want there was an explosion, and people were dead, and people want to know what the hell's going on, and the yeah. press are voicing the concerns of the people. So Roslyn has to stand there. She discusses the explosion, and that's when she mentions that there's been a tribunal Plus an investigation, she also reveals the Cylon truth. Cylons have the ability to mimic human form. They look like us now. We think Cylon agents are responsible for the explosions. She then reveals the photographs of Doral and Leoben. And when she's talking about Doral, she talks about how he managed to not only disarm and kill a Marine, but access a small arms locker. So 
that is a very subtle thing that you can easily look by. Marines yeah. are, uh, these Marines are, are tough hombres. And yeah. for this little pipsqueak to murder him shows you that, boy, these Cylons, you got to be careful. They're cagey when they're in close. So you know they got some kind of machine strength going on. Oh, and, I mean, uh, we saw that shit with uh, Leoben fighting Adam. Right. I mean, they're, they got that Terminator strength. That's right. They sure do. And uh, then, of course, Roslyn fields questions and the frenzy ensues. And then we cut back oh, yeah. to the Galactica. There we go. Everybody listening. Yeah. Probably across, across the entire fleet. I love I love these moments with Roslyn addressing the the, the civilians. Um, I think that's important. I think it shows her doing stuff, and that's yes. what's another good thing about this. You could easily you could easily have written this in a way that didn't really involve Roslyn or the human fleet because it's such a jag thing. It's such a jag episode, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's such a military true. trial. It's such a court martial kind of episode that you really could have cut the human fleet out of it. But I love the way that it shows human implications and how they demand answers. So it gives you something for Rosalind to do, which is what makes the episode even better because we get to see Rosalind interacting with Adama and making some decisions about how Adama's going to handle the military part of it and how she's going to handle the civilian part of it. I like that they included it and made it a more dynamic plot. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the way you said that too is true and just that – not you know she has it's important for her position and i think this is again something that adama's not used to right she has to the public just make it clear that hey we're not just sitting around with our thumbs up our asses we're doing something <laughs> right. like we have to just assure you all hey guys we're not just sitting here waiting for the next atrocity to happen we have started an investigation we have a tribunal we are working on it we are active you know that's uh i think she has a good handle on the importance of just that as an announcement, not even trying to give everybody the play-by-play of the investigation. How's it going? Who's, who's it naming? Blah, blah, blah. But just, we're doing this. We're doing something. Right. She has finesse. Oh, she does. So on the Galactica, the deckhands seem disappointed that they weren't told sooner. They're a little like, man, they look like us now. What the hell? How long have they yeah. known? And then Hadrian goes with two Marines to escort the chief and Boomer to the wardroom. And that's when you mentioned this at the top of the episode where they kind of close in on them. You can see how they all look out for each other. And then, of course, it's Crashdown, correct? Is that Crashdown? Indeed it is. And he, I know him as Starkiller from the Force Unleashed video games. <laughs> right on. <laughs> and then, of course, Crashdown, a lieutenant, obviously a ranking lieutenant. I don't know if yeah. he outranks Boomer. He might. but um, Definitely no. outranks it because all of the pilots are officers, correct? They're yeah, all yeah. lieutenants. They're all, they're all at least lieutenants. But all yeah. the deckhands and the chief... Uh, the deckhands are just specialists, and the chief is a is a noncom, the highest ranking noncom. But I like how Crashdown is there, and he's like, "What are you doing, Sergeant? What the fuck? Get out yeah. of here with your dumb Marines!" You could tell he's pr- <laughs> protecting them for a minute, and that's oh, for when, sure. and that's when she says, "Listen, this is part of an invest an, uh, an investigation." And he's like, "All right, you got to go, man. This is this is part of the 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 quote wide latitude that she was given by the commander of the ship." Mm-hmm. She can bring in high-ranking officers. Got to ask who you got to ask. But this this moment of these people all looking out for each other just shows you more of the loyalty they have, more of how they look out for each other and how Hadrian's the oppositional force to that because she's pulling them apart. That's what's yeah. so uh, cool about the writing of this episode. And that's, we, 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 are, we, we kind of believe that Hadrian might be there to represent the truth. And she starts to try to get to the bottom of the truth. 
Because if we were to look at this object, look at this objectively with these stories not adding up, if it was some other crew and our main character was Hadrian and we were following the adventures of Hadrian and we didn't know any of these people and we just had her POV, we'd be like, man, something does not jive here. What is going on with these people? They're all lying about something and I'm going to get to the bottom of it because three people yeah. were just killed and 13 injured. It's easy to lose sympathy for Hadrian's POV right away because she's an oppositional force to the characters we love. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't stop me looking forward to the sequel show, The Tales of Hadrian. (laughs) Right? Where she just goes down and investigates various shenanigans on different battle stars. (laughs) <laughs> it's it's very much NCIS meets Ally McBeal. She has a lot of adventures, <laughs> tries to get to the bottom of all these mysteries, but damn, is she also trying to find love. The, the, the good news, though, is, is that Hadrian does occasionally eat some MREs. She doesn't weigh 47 pounds. <laughs> True. <laughs> but I do, um, I will say this, that even though I can objectively sit back and go, all right, let me think about this. What if we had a Hadrian POV here and we didn't know these people? We'd be more sympathetic Right up until she starts on this power-hungry bullshit where she's asking questions that seem irrelevant just because she has this thing in her, and that's what's good about the episode is that Hadrian is dynamic. She has this thing in her where she really wants to drill down and tear down and get into it and get dirty. Like there is, I wonder if her pursuit of the truth is as genuine as we think or if she really has an ax to grind with these senior officers that she just isn't. Yeah. And just, you know, I think there's that tendency of she's as she's following all the breadcrumbs and fighting, you know, if you're tr- if you're really trying to get to the bottom of the larger threat and how did the Cylons execute this attack and how can we stop it from happening right. again? What was our weakness? Well, then, yeah, you might start to realize like, oh, OK, I'm coming across some things as I as I, you know, as I'm doing this pursuit that, oh, it looks like. Maybe there's other smaller, you know, infractions going on. Maybe an, uh, an improper relationship, and I wouldn't even falter for bringing that up. Like if this were a private, you know, like at a police station questioning, where she's just sitting across the table from just them, and there's no audience, I wouldn't blame her for being like, okay, look, in doing this and in interviewing people, I've come to realize that you have some relationship going on that's a problem but that's not the issue right now but i but like i could see her using that as leverage to be like look be honest with me i know what's going on with this stuff you don't have to try and hide that that i wouldn't falter for but it's like she ends up finding out this stuff and then just shifts gears and wants to press down on that and have you know it's like it's like her goal instead of uncovering the larger truth becomes punishing them for the truth she happened to come across indeed that's right. And Adama makes that very clear. We're not protecting anybody. Yeah. So the interrogation, trial, inquiry, whatever you'd like to call it, commences. Boomer's, Boomer's sitting. And uh, I love the way they do this. I, I love the way they have these civilian judges up high and her sitting in the middle of this room alone. Again, because it's the military, she doesn't really have representation, no lawyer. Mm-hmm. And Boomer says that she was in Iraq asleep during the explosion. She has no witness to confirm this. Because she's like, did anyone see you sleeping? She's like, I don't know. I was asleep, dummy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, three people passed through the room while I was asleep. She is asked about her relationship with the chief, and then she says, nope, we stopped that. The EXO ordered it stopped. And then she asks about the chief's whereabouts during the bombing, and um, she meaning Hadrian. And then Boomer tells Hadrian that she has no idea. Then we move over to the chief. I like the way they cut this. The chief is now being oh, yeah. questioned. Hadrian sets the stage that collusion with the Cylons is on the table. And he's like, what? What do you mean? So he does not realize that this has escalated as far as it has until she says that. Exactly. Yeah. Oof. 
That's a heavy burden all of a sudden. We cut away quickly to the deck crew where we see Jammer thinking that Sosinus and Callie are being naive to not assume the chief is a real suspect. He's like, what do you, you guys, how do you know he isn't? Like, yeah. you don't know. If they can look like us, you don't know. He's kind of talking sense here, but they just won't oh, hear for it. Sure. And then Jammer kind of says, every man for himself, man. Watch your own back, dude. Anyone can be See, a Cylon. <laughs> See, and this is our, this is their, we need a microcosm of how the population is reacting to this news scene. And, you know, Jammer, like you're saying, he's right. I mean, he is one of, you know, logically, it's like, look, if they can look like people, then we now have absolutely no idea who could or could not be a Cylon. It could be anyone. We can't rule anybody out until we know for sure. That's a valid point. But then as soon as he's like, it's every man for himself, it's like, well, dude, now that's the thinking that sinks a ship. Right. Like, you're all going to start stabbing each other in the back until you just form a conga line of murder and you're all dead? Like, <laughs> come a on. A conga like, line of murder. Bump, 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 bump. Bump, Stab. I like that exactly you say that. that. You know, well, it's funny that the civilians, the concern for the civilians is, is the, is the thing here, the witch hunt, the worry about the civilians, but we never actually get a reaction shot on any civilians. No. So they almost use the deckhand as a, uh, as a double role here to represent the chaos that might rip through the civilian fleet as well as the military fleet. But this is where we have to pay attention to things like you're in the military or you're a civilian Maybe, but you're still a person and people are going to have these paranoia things going on, especially as it relates to this new threat, which nobody is familiar with. And I like that. It's funny, too, because the witch hunt occurs right in the trial room. (laughs) It's not we don't see it on the ship just yet. Exactly. So anyway, back on the chief. Oh, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, I mean, I I think that it's funny because I think the military in this situation, you know, the people of of Galactica almost could be more vulnerable to the panic and the paranoia since they've incurred a lot of casualties from the Cylons already you know they've already they've been the ones suffering the sabotage and the explosions and everything like they're gonna start yeah looking at each other because that's where the attacks are coming from I like it so back to the chief he was on watch he says he was walking around making sure no unauthorized people are poking around ensuring all hatches are secure which you know is a setup and that's (laughs) when Hadrian says what about the hatch on Causeway C And he immediately knows it. He knows knows what that means. Yeah. And that's when he's got to be thinking, shit. (laughs) Do I cop to banging Boomer or (laughs) do I hold to my guns? So the chief's uh, log is on file and they, they of course, reference it. And the chief's log reported all hatch closed and secured. But Hadrian thinks that something is amiss here because, of course, after the explosion, she reports that the hatchway was open. Mm-hmm. which is impossible. So yeah. the hatchway, a- of course, leads to a causeway, and that causeway goes right to a small arms locker where the Marine was found dead and the door open, correct code used. Mm-hmm. Now this is, I don't know about you, but especially when he, we see the chief's face after that, he has that realization of like, oh my God, the causeway we were on, yes. they realize it was open. This is where I would go, okay, wait a minute. I see what's going on. I have been lying to you guys about one smaller thing. So it turns out I was getting it on in there. That's why I know about the causeway. Like it's in my mind, I'm like, don't you just go ahead and admit to it here and take your, take your lashing for that in order to save yourself from being seen as a fucking conspirator to destroy the ship. What do you think? Great question. Now, 
at the end of the episode, when he and Boomer part ways, mm-hmm. one of the things he says to her is, did you leave the door open? Yeah. Man, that's a fucking heartbreaking question. Absolutely. And I don't want to talk about it now, but it kind of is important because it's at this point where when he freezes, he might be thinking maybe she did. The reason I say that is is because I believe that be- the way I the way I think this works is is I think you have the deck and then you have this hatch that goes into a causeway and then there's another hatch, causeway C, that goes to the small arms locker and back out to the other part of the ship. And I think Boomer comes in that way and he comes yes. in the other way because when they show them walk together and meet up, they're coming from opposite ends. So my guess is 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 that immediately when she asks this question and it's revealed that 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 causeway C was open, that she knows that that's the direction that Boomer comes from. And he must have thought, holy shit, Boomer left it open. Yeah. Yeah. So and so I guess to admit it would be to sell her out. Correct. So I think, I think at this point, admitting it is selling her out and he knows that. So he sits on his hands. But I think later in the episode, he, he wonders. And that is dark. That's oh, yeah. fucking dark. That he wonders, did you leave it open? That, that enters his mind. And yeah. the viewer knows that that's a legitimate question oh, because sure. we know that Boomer is a Cylon, but damn dude, that is a tough question to ask. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So yeah, that's, I think what we have here. I think, I don't think there's any way he could have left it open because he doesn't go that direction would be my no, guess. He has yeah. no reason uh, I, to go there. Yeah. I imagine they probably came in through the same sides and left through the same sides. Right. Like they went through. Yeah. Yep, I think of it like that uh, armistice station between North and South Korea. <laughs> <laughs> we meet at the 38th parallel and we fucking grimace at each other. So the chief has the code and then he retorts by saying, so do dozens of other people, including the guard that was killed. And then the and chief- including you, right. master of arms. He, yes. And he, thought, he starts throwing shade her way, which I love. He's like, oh, and might I remind, uh, might I remind everyone- <laughs> Might that, I fucking remind everybody. Yeah, that Hadrian's responsible for some internal security on the ship, so. Yeah. So he makes, and that's a not invalid point of like, oh, is this a, a failing of internal security? Hmm, who's in charge of internal security? <laughs> if we're going to keep finding somebody to uh, put their head on a chopping block. Right. And he says, look, I have no idea why it was open. And Hadrian presses. And that's when she brings up the testimonies of the three deckhands. He says no to every one of those that are repeated to him. And then Hadrian says that his deckhands are telling a different story. Were you meeting a Cylon agent? Fuck. Now, we, uh, we all know the answer is literally yes. <laughs> yes, you were. Now, think about sack. this. Do you... You, you have to start to wonder. We know that, what, what we know, how about this? Why don't we explore what the chief knows? He knows sure. that there's, quote, dozens of other people who have the code. Mm-hmm. He must be referring to the senior officers, people like Ty, Adama, Lee, Starbuck, people like this, Yeah, right? Including the guard. But he probably doesn't think that whoever opened it was somebody who interrogated the car. The guard's not going to give up that info. So yeah. we can safely assume that Doral doesn't know the code, right? Yeah, yeah. Because I think do you so. know what the, the the episode never answers the question of is? I wonder if is it possible that she left it open and then killed the guard, or did she just leave it open and Doral snuck in and killed the guard? I wonder that, right? It's never Ooh, quite answered yeah. in this episode. No, that is true. And Damn. so the chief has to start to wonder 
and why why this is the case. You have to wonder, and we're going to speculate at the end when he when he basically breaks up with Boomer. We're going to get into some of the the, the words exchanged there and how that might influence what he's feeling. But I tell you, man, it's it's um, it's really dark, and it makes me wonder. <laughs> so anyway, the chief decides to exercise his right under Article Twenty Three, and he uh, fucking runs silent. And this is really the moment I think where. Hadrian takes a turn, and, and, and I mean, she's already been kind of you know confronting in a, in a harsh way, but you, know, you can still say, well, that's an investigator's job, that's a prosecutor's position, or whatever. You know, you, you harangue you know harangue them with questions, and you try to pound out the truth. Right. Um, but what she goes on to say is, or or court- or or you try to trick people to get them to fuck up their testimony, <laughs> so then you can destroy <laughs> <True>. their credibility. <laughs> there you it's go. It's not always that's, noble. Hey, that's the American way, Dean. I won't have you talking back. <laughs> yeah, I think it's unfortunately. I think it's a lot of a lot of these fucks' ways. They're more interested in winning than the truth. Yeah, but no, she goes on to say something that you know Adama later on exactly polar opposite refutes. You know, she goes, "Well, you have invoked this right. The court will see this as you admitting guilt." And then it asks him again, are you sure you want to, you know, invoke that right? Whereas Adama later on goes, the courts have never seen invoking the right of, you know, Article 23 as any admission of guilt. Right. And that's her trying to manipulate him. Exactly. Because she is not, she wants, you know, she wants to win here. Mm-hmm. So later we see Sosinus being questioned, and this is rough. And he is as sweaty and uncomfortable and fidgety as he could possibly be. This is brutal. Brutal. So Hadrian asks for an explanation as to why the chief reported something different than he did. Did you see him or didn't you? She asks point blank. And he says he did not. He then says he, and then he just starts to say the worst things you can say <laughs> when you uh, are responsible for Firewatch. And that's fucking A. I left my post. I ducked mm-hmm. out to smoke. I went over to the galley to get chow. What? And then he says, the chief, I don't know where he was. I am sure he was asleep, just like he said. He then says he went through the hatch to get to the galley. So he implicates himself. Absolutely. And not not even in sure terms. He's so back and forth. He's like, well, I guess that would be the best way. Yeah, yeah, I guess I think I did do that. And then, you know, and he's like, oh, well, maybe I did. Yeah, yeah, I did. Like, he just sounds so unsure. He's so back and forth, so untrustworthy sounding. And it's just because he's panicking. Right. So this makes us know that the hatch is something anybody can open, but the but the weird thing is is that it was left that it was open after the explosion, and uh, that's what causes the issue. Because he says, "Oh, I, I went through to go to the galley." So it's just a simple hatch that yes, that needs it's to the stay small secret. arms locker that not anybody can open. The Correct. hatch is just a, a pathway anybody can go. Through. Correct. When asked if he left it open, he says he did. I left my post and I left the hatch open. He's essentially saying I am responsible for dereliction of duty. Yeah, That's what he's yeah. saying by saying, I love you left your post. You don't say that your career is <laughs> over know. kid. I was, when he said that, I was like, you didn't have to admit that <laughs> shit. And we know as a viewer, and I'm sure you knew that that's just not true. You didn't think so. Did you, were you, did you think he was covering? Um, wait, what do you mean? Did you think he was covering for the chief or do you think you really went through the hatch? You know, I, I'm a little undecided on that. I, th- I at first thought he was just uh, – this whole time I was like, he's just covering. And he, that's why he was unsure about it because he was kind of making it up as he went because he was just trying to figure out any way to cover for the chief. Right. He was confusing himself by coming up with you know this detail and then she questions him about something else and he adds you know something else to it to make it make sense. Right. And, <laughs> and he's just he, he's just sitting there knowing he's fucked. Like, right. oh, God. Yeah, I like oh, it. 
Poor kid. Poor kid. And then he just says, whatever it was, it was me. And Hadrian just yeah. is really drilling his ass. Oh, for sure. And I think that's another part of it too that we realize that he's not – he didn't actually do these things that he's just covering for the chief because he, he he can't even say, nope, I did all these things, you know, which therefore is enough to show you that the chief was not involved. He's like, well, whatever I'm – whatever I was supposedly doing, the chief wasn't there. You know, that's what he's mm-hmm. trying to get to. Right. So we go um, over to the sick bay and we have Gaius stopping by to see Kara. He brings <laughs> her a she- cigar – since he was, he says, because since I was nowhere near sickbay, which is adorable, he's like, I brought you a cigar. And that's when Kara decides to scare the shit out of him by saying, you know, um, after he's like, oh, you know, once you're ambulatory, if you want to stop by the lab and see what I have going on. And that's she's like, you know what? Maybe that Cylon was heading to your lab. Did you ever think about that? Maybe he was trying to blow up your project. <laughs> so good. Her face, it's just like a little micro expression when he, after he's like, well, after your ambulatory, just her eyes just kind of narrow a little bit. Mm. Like, oh, you cocky little fuck. You think you can nail me? Like, it's so, so good. good. It's lo- so small. I love the way he says, I love the way she says, kind of hits you where you live, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's such a great, great little scene. And that is enough. And then with six coming onto the scene there, he is just sent spiraling. He's like, oh, my God. Oh, fuck. (laughs) She's right. I love this. I love – just give me your take overall on these two in this this scene and why you suppose they put it in here. I I am, for one, so interested in the growing relationship between these two because it's so contentious right now. But they they definitely don't – hate or dislike each other there's just a they i they definitely don't trust one another at all yet <laughs> and they're very unsure uh well of let's each work other. through it so gaius decides he's gonna go to sick bay yeah with a cigar for her what is he doing you know as far as his full motivation i'm i'm not sure but he definitely has a thing for her that's you fair. mean romantic sexual yeah okay oh yeah, yeah. i do certainly believe that and you, the way she plays with him, what what do you think her take on it is? That's hard. I mean, That's she hard. doesn't really say to him, go pound sand, nerd. Yeah, exactly. Right? I, I think she doesn't like the smarmy cockiness of him. <laughs> that he's so sure of himself, it's annoying. Right. I like it. <laughs> so anyway, he goes spiraling out of control. <laughs> and tumbling away. Tumbling away. And in the hallway, he he does what I like to call Gaius panic talk, where he's just <laughs> talking to freaking himself. out. And yeah. he says he wants to know why. Why? You were the one who told me to build it. Why Why is this happening? And she's like, me, 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 me. <laughs> and she says something pretty revealing, and that is this. I am just in your head. They don't know about me or us. This is huge. Huge. Because that means, if that's true, which I do think it is. I think she's telling the truth here. I don't think that's part of her lie you know because you know up to this point you could question all right is the large scheme of the cylons whatever it is whatever the shape of that thing is is does it involve six implanting herself into him uh and manipulating gaius's actions aboard galactica in order to make this happen or is that a totally rogue action of hers that is outside of the larger cylon plan completely and she just has her own machinations for gaius and I'm pretty sure that's answered here. I think she is being honest. 
uh, and saying that, no, you're, you're my project. Uh, you, this has nothing to do with the larger Cylons. And I think she's also still implying that, don't worry, silly dumbass, I'm going to protect your ass. Like, I'm not going to let a Cylon attack take you out. I will be able to see these things coming, you know, put you where you need to be. You know, and we see that from the very beginning, from the first episode of the miniseries when they're attacked, she's there in the, at the right time to make sure he gets down and stand in front of him to right. literally protect him from the blast. I mean, like, she has always been there to keep him safe. So let me ask you a question. When you observe Six's behavior on the roof and Boomer's on the roof and Doral's on the roof, do you find that they act similar to other copies of them that we've seen? Mm, that's a good question. I Doral is for sure. Uh, all the times we've seen him speaking as a Cylon with other Cylons, he is definitely the most cold and vindictive right. of them all. Right. Uh, very, you know, if anybody is the upholder of the mission, it's him. Uh, right. And he's ready to slay, slay every flesh bag that gets in his way and doesn't give a shit. Um, How about Six's the, behavior? Does she, do you find that her behavior... When she's out there talking to him, commenting on Hila's attractiveness, the way she's talking, do you think that she is acting similar? Uh, and remember, I do. she had another encounter with Hilo on the planet before she was shot by Boomer, right? That's right. And, yeah. Uh, and the way she walks around and runs her hand across shit, she is a very sensual character. Oh yeah, and I yeah, and that's consistent across all of her right. forms. So let me uh, ask I, you this question then. Do you think the Cylon on the roof that is called Six and the Six, quote-unquote, in Geiss's head, for lack of better terms, do you think they share some kind of consciousness? Do you think that... Oh, yeah. You do? I do. I think they are these... I think they are one consciousness. I think they that with the Cylons, they have a singular, you know, of each model, I mean. Ah, okay, so 12 consciousnesses. Yes, yes, exactly. I think there's a Doral consciousness, a Boomer consciousness, a Six consciousness. You know, they all have their own, and they are maybe, and they're inhabiting all these different physical models at once and doing different things, but they're they're sharing all of their collective information. So by that rationale, a Doral would never kill another Doral in anger. Oh, yeah, no. It, it might kill him as part of a plot. Like, oh, the, you know, the same way that Six let herself be killed in front of Hilo no. as part of the plot. But, uh, yeah, they can't, be, they can't be upset at one another because they're the same fucking consciousness. That's gotcha. what I think. Okay. Yeah. And, and so I think, yeah, that like the, the, uh, uh, the Six on Caprica, everything she's seeing down there about Hilo and stuff, this Six aboard the Galactica knows about. You know, th- that they're, they're well, learning there's never this been a, Remember, there's never been a physical representation of the Six on Galactica yet. Well, true, true, yeah. But the, how about the, Boomer? How about Boomer? How about Caprica Boomer versus Galactica Boomer? Do you think they are aware of each other's experiences? See, now that's where I think mm. there's like a divide. Like I think of it like a a partition in a hard drive kind of thing. Okay. Where it's like, yeah, it's all the same drive, and you could you could very much remove that partition, and now there will be a, a fully united consciousness again. But I think that the Boomer aboard the Galactica is partitioned from the rest of the consciousness of boomer would you attribute that to possibly being a quote-unquote sleeper agent as we saw in the water episode yeah and see that's the thing i think that they can remove that that partition and reinsert it at will and blank her memory and blank that particular physical model the galactica model of boomer's memory of those events of you know she has that you know when we see her wake up in the water episode she's like she's looking around confused it's like she was in a fugue 100 percent. and so i think that it's like 
She's partitioned off from the rest of the boomer consciousness. She has no idea she's a Cylon. And then when they want to, boop, they plug her back in. She becomes aware she's a Cylon. She carries out whatever mission they're telling her to do then. And then they wipe her memory from that period of time and reinsert the partition. And now she believes she's a human again. I think that's what they're able to do. All right. So you think that when she becomes activated, she reconnects with whatever consciousness she has with all other boomers. And then when when they activate her, she just goes into blank mode, carries out the mission with no recall. Maybe they just, maybe they just disable memory outside of Could, the yeah. moment to, to complete the mission because you have to remember where am I walking, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that too, right? And then, um, and then, in what in, in I think we talked about this before, but you said that that would probably make the most sense to make it the most believable infiltrator. If exactly. you're acting like a Cylon, you're going to get spotted. You're going to get found out. Mm-hmm. If you're exactly. if you're acting like the consciousness that you believe you've had forever and that you grew up and that you had parents and all this crazy shit, you're gonna be a perfect spy. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, I, I think that the Cylons probably had an equation at some point of trying to decide: okay, do we want our sleeper cells, our our infiltrators, to? act like humans and have them actually be aware that they are Cylons the whole time and they just act like a human being? Or do we take that out of the equation completely, make them believe they are humans and just turn them on when we need them? Because the risk in that is like we saw with Boomer. They're going to have a blank spot in their memory. They're going to be confused. Mm-hmm. They're, it's like it's going to be like they have Alzheimer's. They're going to be – when they come out of these missions, they're not going to know what's going on and that adds a hitch to your plan. But I think – they allowed that because of the believability that a person who, tr- you know, a Cylon who truly believes they're a human being is inherently a more convincing human infiltrator. So it's right. worthwhile for them to, yeah, they have weird fugue states and they're not going to understand themselves, but that's okay. It's also possible you make the copy so good that if they retain the memory of the event, that they might confess immediately. So yeah, yeah, exactly. So if you're a little confused, you might be like, I don't know, I'm not sure, right? Mm-hmm. And you, they would just try to go on about their life like any human. Right. You know, I, don't, I don't know what happened there. I'll just carry on. Yeah, it's very fascinating. Anyway, <sighs> Gaia yeah. suggests maybe destroying the detector. And damn, Ooh. is Six not on board with that idea? <laughs> don't make me angry, guys. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. I love that little call to the wouldn't Hulk. wouldn't like me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The Incredible Six. Nothing, you know. There's nothing hotter than a six foot blonde that grabs you by the neck, pushes you against a bulkhead. <sighs> Here we go about th- your POV porn again. Threatens you and then makes out with you. <laughs> <laughs> Choke me harder, harder, <laughs> six. Slap my face. Call me a dirty girl. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! But again, and this is another. We have the mystery of the larger Cylon effort, whatever that's going on, you know, why they're manipulating Hilo, what they're trying to accomplish. But did we still have, you know, we now officially know that this, that Six has her own separate from official Cylon business uh, mission with Gaius. But what is her mission? Mm. Still don't know that one either. Why is it, why is she so insistent that he does have the Cylon detector? Maybe she needs it in order to better protect him so that she's aware of which Cylons are coming for the shit. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, that's getting into wild speculation because I don't know. She's also always with the, with the God and the God has a plan for you. uh, Gaius and and don't (laughs) blaspheme and et cetera. You know, she's leaving pamphlets all over Galactica. She's dropping those damn things. (laughs) Next thing you know, she got braided hair down to her ass. She's wearing a jean dress. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know Cylon Jesus? Oh, look, her husband has a beard. Who would have guessed? Uh. 
Uh, you guys drive a full-size white van? I don't even know you could buy those. Mm. Horse and carriage, <laughs> maybe. I don't know. <laughs> hey, look, she always refers to the we instead of the I. Weird. <laughs> Weird. No individuality. All right. So Adama and Rosalind are chatting. Did you read the report? Adama asks her. And then she says, I did. I'm sorry to read that one of your men has been charged with conspiracy and collusion with a Cylon agent. I, I believe her when she says that. I think she is. That's a, you know... <laughs> that's her saying, you know, I warned you about this shit. I'm sorry. Like they're, they're going to nail one of your guys. That's, you know, there is no tribunal that's going to come to, and this is what I was talking about at the beginning of the show, the impetus of, we have to blame someone. There's not going to be a tribunal. That's like, well, this was a moment of chaos. People, we can't really pin it to any individual. It was a systemic problem. And we just have to work harder to make the system work better. And all of us work better as a team. Right? No, it was Billy's fault. Chop his dick off. Like that's, that's the point of a tribunal. Like we're going to hang it on. We're going to fucking get this albatross and we're going to hang it on somebody's neck. Like that's got to happen. And that's what she told him. You know, she's saying like, somebody's going under the bus for this and I'm sorry to hear it. Yeah. That's what happens. Do you, do you really think that she thinks he did it? Like, do you think the leadership thinks that this guy Doral acted alone? Yeah. It's just that I, I don't think she thinks he did it. I don't think, I I think her warning about tribunals implies that she has a inherent mistrust of their results. Sure. Yeah. Because Adama then says, I have my doubts. And then she says, well, what about the chief taking the 23rd? And you know what I love about this scene? It's very easy for us to assume all these characters are buddies and they all know each other. But this is a perfect moment in this show that that highlights the fact that she's probably barely even met the chief because she says she she says what about this guy the this guy the chief your chief your chief yeah she doesn't even know who he is Mm -hmm. and that's when Adama says listen that's his right and she says you sound like a lawyer we get a little info on Adama revealing that Uh his dad was a lawyer pretty cool. Very, yeah, that was a very interesting drop. And then uh, Rosalind doesn't like it, and she says, I think he's hiding something. Well, yeah. Which, hell, she's right. She's right. (laughs) He is. That's when Adama reminds her that the chief is good, and he has a great line here. He says, if he wanted to destroy this ship, he would have already. Yeah. And I think, you know, he's implying how much, how integral uh, the chief is to the operations of a ship and how much, you know, they really do have access to. And it's like, yeah, if if the chief was an outright saboteur and who wanted to destroy Galactica, he'd have the means to do it. He'd know where to get the explosives. He'd know where to put them. He'd know how to cripple the ship if he really wanted to do that very easily. Like these are people with direct access to the, you know, the inner bowels of the machine. Right. Yeah. This, I wonder about the scene because, you know, we have this situation where Sosinus is being implicated. Collusion with a Cylon agent. How do you feel? Oh, sosinus Just, fuck, just all <laughs> stuffed. Sus. I gotta get mucin. I didn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, and then we know that Doral killed three people, injured 13 more with an explosion. Do yeah. you feel like it's at this point where, I mean, part of me feels like, do you feel like a Adama, or at least Rosalind's right. All right, that's a wrap. Case closed. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, yeah, I almost feel exactly. like she would have been more curious as to: Are you sure? Are we positive? Are we sure the Cylon wasn't working with somebody else? I mean, she does mention the chief, but mm-hmm. they seem. I I could definitely imagine her being like, you know, this is maybe the the PR part of Rosalind that dips towards the negative of like, hey, look. 
the people are happy to hey we got a result it's done let's go ahead and just fucking clap the dust off our hands and move on we'll let's just grind the thing. deck the, 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 just grind these lowly deck hands <laughs> under let's take the this wheels 17 year old who's been yeah. thrown into the war for the first time in his life and just ground him into powder yeah, screw it politicians Ugh. anyway it continues uh the marine tells him that he was ordered to bring him to the tribunal so a, a marine enters and tom yeah. is like i gotta call you back <laughs> and then uh they bring adama in for the tribunal and boy what oh, a scene fucking great scene fuck so good so good so hadrian starts to ask why he withheld the information about the cylon truth this is this is a, a totally irrelevant question yeah doesn't yeah. doesn't matter it's exactly he says, see that's it this is that moment where it's like him whole you know there is no concrete information you can gain from the answer to that question because the question itself demands a speculative answer. No one can answer what would have happened if we did or did it. Like that's an unanswerable question. Like you're it's just asking answerable. me to, yeah, it's, it's you're just asking relevant. me to guess, you know, there's no measurable result we can take from that. We're talking about the thing that actually happened and the direct causes of it. And, and she's going that. all off. Right. Yeah. And this she's is where she to, loses us because she's decided exactly. to take this to a place that, is really questioning his command decisions yeah. outside of the actual thing that happened. He didn't want to cause panic, but he entertains her anyway. I don't want to cause panic. And that's when yeah. she's, you know, not telling security might have not been the right call. And that's when he's like, well, listen, I wasn't sure how, who to trust. And then she continues to press. She suggests that different procedures could have been produced, could have been put in place, which would have produced different results. And this is all speculative. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the, you know, he has a great line where he's saying, you know, I can't tell you what might have happened. And that's exactly it. Like, are you trying to bore down into the truth of the events that actually occurred and why they occurred? Or are you going to go, you know, because the only thing you can get from asking these kinds of questions and being like, well, why didn't you do this? Maybe that would have made things safer is to destroy somebody's reputation right. and, and, you know, the, the public's trust in them. That's right. a very, that's a PR centered question to be like, I'm going to slash down, you know, people's ability to have faith in your, you know, decision making by questioning the validity of the, oh, maybe you should have made this decision or this one or this one. And the truth of the matter is, in any given situation, there's a million different fucking ways you could have done right. something. It's total bullshit. I mean, that's, that's total bullshit. Yeah, and, that, and this is where it goes into full-blown, like, well, are you sure that actor wasn't a communist? Hmm? You know, it's like, okay, McCarthy, fucking chill. Then it continues. She asks another, rele- an, another irrelevant question. She asks about Boomer and Tyrrell. Ugh. And he says, I don't see how it's relevant. And she says... Um, that's not for you to decide. My questions are not subject to command review. So she throws the the latitude that he gave her right back in his face. <laughs> exactly. The thing he gave her, she's like, eh, fuck you with it. And, and he, at this point, you can tell he's tired of it. And he says, I'm a soft oh, yeah. touch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's such a good answer. Such a good, and he's he is all done. You know, he's dispensed with the, I'm being formal with you and let, I'm going along with how this works. He's like, yeah, whatever. I'm a fucking soft touch. And then she asks the, <laughs> the, the dumbest question of all time. Are you aware about the allegations between Tyrrell and Boomer? Yeah, dummy. This is what the whole fucking tribunal's for, right? Yeah. yeah. And uh, the potential to link silent agents. He is aware. Where are we going with this? I will ask the question, sir. I will, I will take my small grain of power and, and stretch it as far as I possibly can. 
I will. I do want to say something about that question that she asks, though, because I actually think it's fairly interesting now that I'm thinking about it. She mm-hmm. says, do you know about the allegations against Tyrell and Boomer? When we're watching this show as a viewer, one of the things we take for granted is, is that knowledge of major things going on in the ship, the commanders are up to speed on constantly. But they're not. They're not. That's He's true. just like, go point. figure this out. Get to the bottom of it. Next thing he knows, the fucking Marines knocking on his door. So if you yeah. take it from Adama's perspective, that's pretty wild. He says, figure this out. Get to the bottom of it. It's possible there was collusion. We want you know, to, right? Yeah, that's true. You know, all he knows, all he would know for sure once he's in this chair is that they have been questioned. And of course, right. a lot of people have been questioned. You know, an, an investigation is going on. We're talking to everybody who was there. And so it's true. He, he might not know that they are actually not, I guess, suspects, but, you know, people of note now. You know, there, there are allegations about them. Right. He and, might not be aware of that. Right. And then she tells him that he could be responsible, meaning Adama. You, sir, could be responsible for all of this by allowing this relationship to continue, which is fucking dog shit. And then he just says, we're done here. Are you going to ask me about the existence of Bat Boy after this? (laughs) Where are we going? You've You've lost sight of the purpose of the law to protect citizens, not persecute them. We're better than that. These proceedings are closed. Ah, oh, I just full blown Adama hard on. Right. Ah, oh, so good. And then the so judges good. are like, well, you can't do that. He's like, well, this is a witch hunt. It's not going to happen on my ship. So pound sand. And Hadrian has the <laughs> balls to tell the corporal of the guard to detain Adama. And he's just like, make your choice, son. Oh, yeah. He, yeah I love it. He doesn't even look at her. He just follows it up with a direct order to him right to his face of you take her and put her away for the time being. Yeah. Make your choice, son. Which is great. <laughs> and you can just see that dude shaking in his boots like, I'm not crossing Adama. <laughs> like, right. fuck that. This sergeant on her fucking power trip, yeah, I'm, I'm busting your ass. Plus, he was there the whole proceeding. He was standing there listening. Oh, so yeah, he knows what's going on. Uh, he knows it's bullshit. Mwah, beautiful fucking, <laughs> beautiful ending to that scene. Back on the Colonial One, Rosalind reports to the press. She says the investigation is over. She gives the details of what happened. So she appeases the sharks, right? She mentions mm-hmm. negligence, how Sasinus is stripped of rank. This is the first that she hears of it because his reaction is great. Yeah, yeah. So, of oh. course, the chief runs off to see Adama because he's the chief and that's what he does. And it starts off with, I think he's doing this out of a mis- uh, sense of misplaced loyalty to me. This was the, the quote you missed. <laughs> I know. As soon as that one came up in the show and I, I, I saw how much time was left, I was like, Fuck, every quote was by the chief. <laughs> I already lost it. Baby, you got to sell the kids clothes. He, and, and I like how he saddles up there. He's like, oh, I don't, I don't, I think Sosinus is the wrong guy. And then he just sits there working on his model ships. I think he's doing this very, out of a sense of misplaced very, loyalty to me. Very Jean-Luc Picard of him. Very much. <laughs> this what, of this part, I was like, ah, he, there are some uh, resemblances between him and, and the great bald commander. In the, in the best line, somewhere there's a truth in this, care to take me to it? Love it, love it, love it. Again, full-blown. So the chief oh. goes on and on about how the deck gang has been covering him for him so he can go and see Boomer. And uh, I love when Adama, this is such a great reprimand for the chief. Because the chief is great at his job. He's a hard worker. He keeps the planes flying. He's great at his job. But things got a little loose at the end there. Now he needs to tighten shit up. And it becomes very clear here. Outside of Hadrian's investigation of him, there is, there is a 
precedent here for the chief to look in the mirror and fix shit. Even though he's not responsible for collusion with Asylum or dead people, he is responsible for allowing this to occur because of the way he runs the fucking deck crew and he needs to tighten it up a little bit. And that is apparent here. So I like that. I like that even though we had this big tribunal for these people that we love and that we don't really care about Hadrian's POV, we still have some things that come down the pipe for leadership and the chief needs to figure shit out. And when he says, you don't know whether he was on duty or not, do you? I mean, dude, if you don't know your subordinates and where they are and not on duty, if you don't know your watch schedule and your duty schedule, you need to straighten the fuck out. Yeah, especially at a time of war. Like, it's not, you're not at home base anymore just running the routines. Like, this is real, gotta be on watch. We may be attacked. And the chief, as he's fond of doing, goes right past anything involving rules and says, I know he's innocent. That's what I do know. So he cuts through the military bullshit. And he goes right to the, the kid is innocent. I should be in the brig. In fucking Adama, that's a fact. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what a different kind of punishment. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he just says it so coolly. This isn't right, Commander. You can't let in this. I can't. And man, this is so good because this is showing the chief that you need to straighten. I love how we saw the loosey-goosey, oh, kissy-kiss, oh, oh, love you, woman. (laughs) The curvature of your hips and your lips, baby. And the XO comes down on them for it and they ignore him. They're fucking bad. Hey, Boomer. You're bad for ignoring Ty when he told you to put a stop to it. Or, or, or uh, no, he told Valeri because he went to the ranking officer. Yeah. Right? I like yeah. that. That was a good move by Ty. He went to the ranking officer. He said, yeah, he, put he, a made, stop he dismissed to it. the chief. Yeah. He, did, he didn't go to the chief because it's not, he's going to go to the person who has operational command over this guy and say, stop, what are you doing? And yeah. guess what? They didn't listen to their demise. They should have listened to, the, to, to Colonel Ty because he tried to warn you. And now that you're up in front of this guy, dude, the XO is the ball breaker. And you still didn't listen. And now you're standing with the commander of the fleet? You think he wants to deal with this? Do you think Uh, that he wants a tribunal (laughs) sniffing around his office? Good point. Right? Yeah. You think I, after all this, I want to hear about two kids screwing under the bleachers? Right. Like, I don't got enough on my fucking plate. Right. And it entered a tribunal, and everyone knows, and it's out in the thing, and it's going to reflect from the top down. From the president. I mean, yeah. I mean, we're, this shit is bumping up against a press release about a, you know, a Cylon attack. Right. It's gotten that far. And he just gets right in the chief's face like he loves to do, but oh, with yeah. that somber, cool, pale blue eyes in the face. And he just says, what I can't do is I can't let someone that wears his uniform get on a witness stand and lie under oath. And that's what your man did. Now, he either lied the first time or he lied the second time. It doesn't matter. And that's it. Mm-hmm. He's guilty and he's going to pay the price. You're done. And guess what? Your man is in the brig because you couldn't keep your fly zipped. Mike hits the floor. He knows the chief is not a Cylon collaborator, or at least he's pretty oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. no, I, I think he's pretty confident right. in that. He's more upset about the fact that this thing came under the light when it shouldn't come under the light. And this goes back to the old management thing, the old leadership thing, which is when things are going well, a lot of the bullshit gets overlooked. When things are going bad, everything gets under the mic. 
yeah, un- yeah, under yeah, the yeah. Micro- uh, microscope. For sure. If your company's doing a- bad, if you're doing bad at work, if you're doing bad at a sport, if a sport team's sucking, every little thing will be questioned. Why did you start this guy, not this guy? When you're doing well, nobody cares. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're winning fucking World Series. Hey, who cares? Party in the streets. But we quickly went from, we're decommissioning this ship. People are probably going to get reassigned. Some people are going to retire. The chief probably could have retired. He's been in, what, 20-something years probably? He might have been probably. saying, I'm out. I'm going to collect my check and you know, go raise a family. See ya. And everything's going well and we're screwing around, whatever. It doesn't matter anymore. People know, hell, the old man knows. But now, <laughs> now we are in dire straits. We're having a bad go at things. You're still fucking around, which is not yeah. going to be good for the cohesiveness of this ship. And uh, it's out in the public. It started a whole tribunal. You got a kid in a brig. And it's funny because I love how indignant the chief is that Adama is not going to do anything about my innocent kid in the brig. When Adama is, when Adama is exactly doing that, but he's blaming the chief for it. He's like, it does suck that he's in yeah. prison, but he fucking lied because of you, you dummy. It's your fault. Exactly. And I think that, you know, there is a heavy implication permeating this whole conversation of, you know, it's unsaid, but I think Adama's, you know, basically saying that if this were any other time, if it were still possible for me to tap another uh, battle star out there and have a different chief transferred over to me, then that would be the case. Your ass would be busted. You'd be in a brig and I would be getting somebody else. But I need a chief and I need somebody keeping the planes going. Right. That's it. So, I, you know, I know he knows he's a capable person, but he's saying in, in any other times, you'd be fucked by this. This would be the end of your career. But right. that's not an option for us anymore. Yeah. You're the most non, uh, non uh, experienced non-commissioned officer we have. You keep my planes flying. I need my planes flying dismissed. So he boots him out. And then, of course, that leads us to the final scene where the chief breaks up with Boomer. I love you. I'm yeah. sorry. She wants an explanation. One of my men is in the brig to protect us. There can be no more us. No more lies. It's over. So with that tongue lashing that he just got from Adama comes right down onto Boomer. Oh, yeah. From, from the chief's ears to Boomer's ears. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she rough. says an interesting line. I can't believe you're turning your back on us. And that's when the chief gets a little personal. He says, I cover for you. I protect you. I risk my reputation for what? That's a harsh thing to say. But then he says, so one of my kids, one of my innocent kids can take the fall for me. He gets that crazy voice going. We are not worth that. That's a, you know, very much a deliberate, you know, there's always the love conquers all, you know, if it's true love, it's worth everything. But he, you know, draws the fucking line there of like, we're not worth that. We're not, no couple, no us is worth ruining other people's lives. And that's when uh, he asks her about the hatch combing and Boomer's pissed. What are you saying? That I help the Cylon? You have the only answer you're ever going to get. And she storms off. That's it. Let's, let's kind of get into the scene a bit. Sure. So a couple things, and I'm, and I'm going to be brainstorming as I talk about this. But first, Boomer knows the chief, right? I'd say she knows him pretty intimately. She knows his leadership style. She knows what the deckhands mean to him. She can see that. She's aware. Unless she's not. Maybe she is. Maybe she isn't. I'm going to yeah. go ahead and give her the benefit of the doubt and say she is aware. Yeah, I would, I would agree. It's funny that she says, you're just going to throw this away or whatever. What's her word again, right? You're just going to throw... Uh, you throw us away. You're just going to throw us away. It's funny that she, that despite the high level of, 
I guess what I'm saying is, is that this devolved so quickly because a kid is in prison in the brig for covering for him and the chief. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the chief comes at her in ways that I think are a little unfair by saying, I cover for you, I protect you. You cover for you. You protect you, bitch. Don't put this all on <laughs> True. me. You yeah. were the one fucking me, right? We were fucking each other. It takes two to tango. I just didn't yeah. like the way he singled her out. I thought it was kind of cold. And it's like, I'm sure she did just as much covering for him. You know, sure. To participate in this relationship at all is to each of you be covering your own and the other person's ass. I mean, right. you know, it's, a le- it's an illegal relationship. Of course they're doing that. Do you think that him asking her at the end here about the causeway is just because he, sex- he suspects her of something nefarious or that he suspects that she was negligent in Sosinus' taking the fall? That's oh, that's a good question. Um, you know, at first, without really thinking about because it, because he, does, he doesn't episode, for a second. Sorry to interrupt you, but he doesn't for a second think that it's Sosinus. Yeah, no, no, no. He definitely knows it's not him. Um, it, it, on my first, you know, viewing and just and you know, right there in the episode, I was just I would I would have thought that he thinks it was her own sloppiness and that she's not going to, you know, a per, you know, and that's why Sosinus is punished. They're not saying he was a conspirator. They're saying he was negligent and that because of what happened, it was criminal right. negligence and he criminal has to be punished for it. Yeah. Yeah. Abandoned his post um, in a time of war. Exactly. And so I think he would, at first I would have thought he's just thinking, well, maybe it was her criminal negligence and she's just getting to coast away on it. And this kid is going to have to rot for it. But upon further like, thinking, you know, think, the f- let, let me just say this. Let me let me interject. I'm sorry. Do you think that he is expecting her to to fess up and take the fall and and jump in the brig and get the other guy out? Like, you know what I'm saying? I don't think he's even expecting that. I I think he wanted to at least hear from her that 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 she could admit or at least see the fault of her position in all of this. That. He, that she, you know, they, they should, like, they should each feel bad. <laughs> like, he's like, right. you feel shitty about this too, right? Like, he's wanting to maybe get that much out of her or, you know, knowing that the possibility of maybe this door was just left open by someone on accident and the Cylon took advantage of that. But maybe it was you. Like, just, just getting her to admit the possibility of her own fault. But the fact, we cannot look over the, though, the fact that the rumor, the pervasive rumor about Cylon's going to collect people now just got dropped at the right. same time as all of this. Everyone is now made aware of it. That has to be bouncing around in his head. I mean, for sure. Yeah. And, you know, and, and the whole him having to cover for Master of Arms and finding the explosive in the Raptor and all that stuff with her, that's got to be rattling around in his head. And, Indeed. you know, thinking, well, shit, maybe. Fucking who knows? Right. I definitely think at the end he is suspicious of her. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of it has to do with the G4 detonators. They're going to think I'm a silent agent. She told him once before. <clears throat> now we have the very causeway hatch being open that she uses to meet with him. Mm-hmm. It's it's not good. Yeah. No. That being Oof. said, do you think there's going to be implications for their relationship going forward? Do you think it's going to become adversarial? Do you think he's going to be looking towards her do you think he's gonna be suspicious well how do you see this I, developing what do you think that they make up that they that they respect each other that i mean i very much go off the rails <laughs> i imagine that he will still regardless of how adversarial it may get and i think it will get somewhat i mean them parting you know the fact that the episode ends on these words and them parting this way the and the way she says it that's the only answer you're ever gonna get is almost like a fuck you we, we are not not only we are not in a relationship anymore we are not talking like right we are done um, I think it will get adversarial, 
But I think they will still cover for each other. I can't imagine him just turning around and going, hey, by the way, you know what, guys? I'm just going to go ahead and come clean now. She ha- she <laughs> came out of the, the water tanks all wet the night before and didn't know where she was, and she had one of the detonators. I don't think he's going to throw her under the bus. I think he would still cover for her. Um, he doesn't want to see bad happen to her. Right. Uh, but I imagine them, you know, not being friends after this. Maybe eventually they'll make up later on in the series, but I don't think that's that's happening in an episode or two. He may not just immediately take her answers for 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 truth, right? For sure. A couple yeah. other things I thought about, a couple of permutations here um, that I that I want to talk about is is that obviously Ty confronted her. Do you think she told the chief about the Ty about the Colonel Ty confronting her? Mm, that's a really good point. Um, in, 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 I don't well, know. How about this? It, kind of, it might not matter because I think he probably got a f- strong sense of <laughs> he caught us. He told me to fucking leave. Uh, they know. Well, besides that, I guess my point is, is that um, what I'm trying to drill down to is, is that the respect the crew has for Ty. Like, oh, if, I, see what I you mean, mean, Boomer continued the relationship despite being told to knock it off. You're his senior officer. So the XO yeah. challenged her and she continued. Yeah. So then the question becomes, did she want to continue to maintain a relationship with him or does she have ulterior motives and didn't want to say anything and wanted to keep staying close to the chief? Do you oh, think that you she, mean. well, I'm just throwing out a bunch of things. Do you yeah. think that she told the chief and her and the chief post-coital just kind of laughed like he's a drunk, fuck that guy. <laughs> serious, <laughs> that's, serious. I really do think that's probably closest to the truth. <laughs> yeah. I really think so. I think that when the uh, Galactica Boomer is truly Sharon Boomer and believes she's a human being, I think it's fully sincere. I think she really just does have organic feelings for the chief right now um, and was just looking to continue that relationship. So you don't think she left the causeway open on on purpose? Oh, I think she may have, uh, but that only after... No, no, no. I think she may have done it on purpose, but that that was when she was turned on as a silo. Okay, so like an off-camera activation. Yeah, an off-camera activation. She doesn't remember doing it. She genuinely does not remember doing it and doesn't believe she had anything to do with it. She may – yeah, that's one thing I I guess we should go ahead and get to is I think that she very well – you know, the Cylons, you know, get um, Doral aboard some fleet ship and they're letting more civilians on to Galactica and they get him into there and they activate Boomer for the portion of, you know, the mission that she's needed to open the causeway and maybe tell him the code, give him the code in some way, uh, and then, you know, turn her human form back on and wipe her memory again after that. I definitely think that's a strong possibility. I like it. All right, before we get to our final thoughts, Mr. Anderson, let's bang out some trivia to tease next week's episode. Right. Okay. I went back to True and False. This was a tough one. Okay. And watch the episode today, actually. <laughs> I love this episode <laughs> that we're going to do next. Ooh. True or false? Are you ready? I am ready. Hilo refuses the sexual advances of Caprica Boomer, citing her relationship with Chief Tyrrell. Huh. True or false? False. Two. Galactica Boomer's insight into the captured Cylon Raider. Remember that? Oh, yeah. Gets her arrested under the suspicion of under the suspicions put forth by specialist Callie. Wait, hold on. Read that one again. <laughs> Galactica Boomer's insight into the captured Cylon Raider gets her arrested under the suspicions of specialist Callie. In other oh, words, Callie gotcha. becomes suspicious of Boomer's insight into the captured yes. Cylon Raider and then gets her arrested by ratting her out. 
when you first read it, I think you said Caprica Boomer. And I was like, what the hell is she doing back on the oh, show? <laughs> I'm retarded. Sorry. Um, damn. I want to say true, but that seems like too quick of from the from the revelation of there being human Cylons and that becoming public knowledge to her being arrested. That seems so fast. But fuck it. True. True. Next. Rosalind is told by Elosha, which is the black woman who is a priestess, spiritual advisor, yeah. that the scriptures speak of a leader who will be betrayed by a close advisor. True or false? Damn, these are so good. She speaks to Adama? That- nope. Rosalind is told by Elosha Rosalind. that the <sighs> scriptures speak of a leader who will be betrayed by a close advisor. Damn. True. Next, Gaius Baltar is not only suspected, but actively investigated and incarcerated for treason. Ooh. I'm going to say false. I think they need him too much. Five, sabotage on the CIC causes Gaeta to be arrested for possible Cylon collusion. Damn, all these possible arrests. <laughs> Boy, shit about to hit the fan as far as witch hunts going around. Um, ay ay ay. That one sounds more likely to me than Gaius, so I'm going to say true. Okay, to reiterate your answers and the questions. Hilo refuses the sexual advances advances of Caprica Boomer, citing her relationship with Chief Tyrrell. False. I'm going to smooch that busted up face. He's into it. I'm going to uh, rearrange the way I said this next one because I wrote it shittily, but. Um, <laughs> Galactica Boomer's insight into the capture Cylon Raider causes suspicion with Callie, and Callie gets her arrested. You said true. Roslyn is told by Elosha that the scriptures speak of a leader who will be betrayed by a close advisor. You said true. Gaius Baltar is not only suspected, but actively investigated and incarcerated for treason against the 12 colonies. You said false. Sabotage. On the CIC causes Gaeta to be arrested for possible Cylon collusion. You said true. There you go, bitch. That's them all. That's them all, baby. All right, kids, we're going to get our shoes back this time. I promise. (laughs) I just got to dump the savings out. (laughs) Putting it all on the line. Oh, boy. (laughs) Well, there you have it. That is uh, the episode. Do you have any final parting things you'd like to talk about in this episode before we could could, uh, bid these good people adieu? Man, I I feel pretty tapped on this one. Uh, again, this is definitely, I would have to say, yeah, maybe right under 33. And again, I'm not talking about the miniseries, but as episodes of the first season, this is right under 33 as one of my favorites. This is fucking good. I love this. Uh, if this is a bottle episode for BSG, I am 100% on board. Um, really good. You know, they did not waste their opportunities to shed light on characters and really get the chance to dig into their personalities. And and even those, like those nice little tidbits of history, you know, I loved that detail of, you know, Adama being like, my father was a lawyer. I'm like that, that little grain, that seed says so much like that already helps fill out his picture. Absolutely. So much better in my mind. And that's great, great writing, you know, having to just, you know, you don't have to say so much to tell us a lot. Um, Then that's like I said, wonderful. Uh, I like those interactions between him and Rosalind when they're when they're on board with each other and they're not butting heads, but they're each <laughs> trying to figure out 
how to handle this issue. And, 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 how, and, and you know, <laughs> Adam is not the kind of guy to be begging for advice, but you can tell when he's listening for it. And that was cool to watch. It's yeah, that's a great strong. point. You know, they're not, they're not butting heads. It's just a question of how do we tackle this together? Yeah. You're going to have to handle this? this side. I'm going to have to handle this side. Sounds yeah. good and right. It, it works exactly. out in the end. And there's no fretting. There's no, oh, what do I do? Or oh, what should I do? You know, he's just, but you can tell he's very silent when she's talking. He's really thinking about what she's saying and taking it in. And it's just good. She's good. Believable, interesting, smart characters. And we're getting more and more of them. And again, and I know I've said it probably every fucking episode, I want me more Starbucks. Mm-hmm. I want it. I want a hot cup of Starbucks. Mm-hmm. I really do. Moreover, I'm still waiting for that standoff all Starbucks extravaganza episode that I'm sure is going to happen at some point. But uh, yeah, no, but this is good, man. I'm really looking forward to the next one. This episode is so standout and there are so many things that we've already covered that highlight why. I love the idea of, and I remember the first time I saw it, I thought, wow, Gaius is going for the big cat by going down into the fucking infirmary and talking to Starbuck. (laughs) Star, they True. couldn't be more opposite. I mean, they're both supremely confident and cocky. That's one thing they have in common. She has razor sharp instincts. She's no dummy. And uh, he's similar. You know, they, they're oddly similar, but he, she is so much more martial than he is. Oh, he, yeah. is he, he has so much more finesse than she does. And uh, I love that he is so confident that he thinks, I'm going to go down there and give this lady a cigar. And this thus begin my seduction of Starbuck. And I like the way she takes it where she breaks his balls because she knows she can make him squirm because she knows he's not the most courageous man on the planet. So she wants <laughs> to make him squirm a little, but it's almost like a game to her. And that's what I like about it. Starbuck is a gamer. And what I mean by that is oh, she's yeah. competitive. And I think that I love the way she just doesn't summarily dismiss him, but she engages him in this play. And that's Starbuck. You know, She's a hunter. She wants to have fun. She wants to see... Whether or not she wants to fuck him is totally different, but she wants to, she likes, she appreciates the entertainment while she's laid up in a hospital bed. I think it says a lot <laughs> about her character. Yeah. You know, that is really true. And I, I can't wait to get to eventually. I know Six has commented on the way he interacts with Starbuck before, but in a very kind of sly, coyish manner. I look forward to the possibility of her actually displaying some jealousy and being like, mm. wait a minute. Stop fucking talking to her. <laughs> like, I like it. You know, I, I think that could maybe happen, and that will be a fun treat. That's great. Everything we already saw was great. I like how even though we don't have a POV on Hadrian, we still see that the chief has been negligent and in, in that this does matter. It's not just a throwaway, oh, no big deal. That's one yeah. of the things I love about this. It's not like, oh, dismiss, everyone's innocent, let's clash beer mugs together. Yeah, let's. Everyone's innocent, but hold on, Chief. You need to fix shit because your guy's in the rig because of you, not because of Hadrian. And I like that. I like how the Chief is forced to take responsibility for the way he's run his crew. I like the intrigue between Boomer and him. I like the stuff down on Caprica, the intrigue between Boomer and Hilo. There's a lot going on in this episode, a lot of interesting things to, to take away. Not one sighting of Lee. That was the first time that's ever happened. Ooh, good point. Yep. I didn't even think about that. Nah, that's because the episode was so good. Damn straight. Yep. All right. Well, I guess we have said enough about litmus. We will return next week with six degrees of separation. Yep. I'm telling you because it's not much of a spoiler. You're not going to figure I'm it out. I'm going to guess that's a pun and it's going to be a lot about six Cylons. <laughs> there you go. All right, we will catch you guys on the flip side.